Hello and welcome as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley Rutherford. I'm Kyle Welch. This program is part of an outreach ministry from Shepherd Church located in Los Angeles, California. Everything we do at Shepherd is based around John 3.14 that teaches us to lift up the name of Jesus that the world might believe. We want to come alongside you in your journey with God and help you become stronger in your faith so you can better serve Jesus and share him with others. Our pastor is Dudley Rutherford, and we join him right now with his message for us today. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to the fourth chapter of the book of Philippians. We've been preaching through this book, and today we want to look at Philippians chapter 4. I heard a reportedly true story of a man named George Phillips from Massachusetts, and one night when he was going to bed, his wife said to him, you left the light on out in the garage. And so he got up and he looked out the back window, and sure enough, out in the garage, he noticed that there were some thieves that had broken into his garage, and they were stealing his tools. And so he picked up the phone, and he called the police, and he said, there's some burglars out in my garage stealing my tools. And the police said, well, are they inside your house? And he said, no, they're out in the garage. And the police officer said, all the officers are busy right now. He should stay inside, keep the doors locked, and they will send out a patrol car when one became available. And so he hung up the phone. George counted to 10 slowly. After he'd counted to 10, he called the police a second time. He said, hey, this is George. I called a few moments ago to tell you there's some thieves out in my garage stealing all my tools. I just want you to know I shot all three of them. You don't need to come. And he hung up the phone. In less than four minutes, three squad cars, one armed response unit, and two ambulances showed up at his place. They caught the burglars red-handed and arrested them. One of the officers said to George, I thought you told us you'd shot all three of them. To which he replied, I thought you told me there were no officers available. Now, I would never, ever recommend you trying this to get the attention of the police. Please do not do that. But I will tell you this. If God ever tells you something, you can take it to the bank because it's true. Whenever God speaks, you can take it to the bank. I've got four things that the Scriptures here tell us that you can take to the bank. Point number one, write this down. The Lord is near and His peace is real. The Lord is near and His peace is real. All over this room are people who are going through difficult circumstances. You might be on a scale of 1 to 10, just a 1 or 2 or 3. You might be a 5, 6 or 7. Some of you could be a 10 plus. You're, you're going through some really difficult circumstances. Well, here's some words of advice to you from a man who was in prison when he was writing this. Verse 4, he said, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Verse 5, he said, Let your gentleness be evident to all. Stop fretting about everything. Just know that the Lord is what? The Lord is what? The Lord is near. Now, that's true eschatology-wise. That's a big word, eschatology. What does that word mean, eschatology? 
Eschatology is the study of the end times. Eschatology is the study, the theology of when Jesus Christ is going to return the second time. And as far as I'm concerned, eschatology-wise, the Lord Jesus Christ could return any moment. All the signs are in place. We're simply here waiting right now for Jesus Christ to return. But that's true not only eschatology-wise, that's true theologically speaking, internally-wise, because the Bible says when you got saved, when you were saved, that God put His presence, His Spirit, inside of you. Which means that wherever you go, if you go over here, the Lord is with you. If you go over here, the Lord is with you over here. It also means if you're up on top of the mountain, everything's going good in your life, the Lord is with you. But it also means if you're in some difficult circumstances and you're down in the valley, guess who's down there with you? The Lord is with you because the Lord is always near. I think of that story of the mother who told her her little boy, go out in the back patio and get the broom. And it was dark out there. The light didn't work. It was cold. It was late at night. And he was scared to death. And he went out there and he opened the door about this far and he ran back to his mama. And she said, where is the broom? He said, mama, it's dark out there. She said, go get the Mama, it's dark out there. There's no light. I'm scared. It's windy. It's Go get the broom. I'm scared. She said, the Lord is with you. So the little boy goes back out and he opens up that back patio door about that far. It's dark, it's cold, it's windy. And he says these words. He said, Lord, would you please hand me the broom? (laughs) Amen. Amen. I want you to write this down. You have nothing to fear in this life because the Lord is always near. You have nothing to fear because the Lord is near. Now, I know you probably know this, but we have a security team here at the church. How many of you knew that? We have security. We have to. One of my security guys is right down here. Carlos, stand up real quick. He's half asleep down here right now. <laughs> now, Carlos, turn around. Let him see your muscles there, man. Yeah, no, 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 no. Now, Carlos, Carlos, how much do you bench press? What's the most you've ever bench pressed? 475. 475 pounds. I'm not sure I could do 10 push-ups. <laughs> and I just want you all to know that whenever Carlos is around, I don't worry about anything. <laughs> you understand that? Now, when I see Carlos, the only thing I'm scared about is that he's stealing some of my food. That's the only thing I worry about. <laughs> Give Carlos a hand. Carlos, you can sit down. Verse in your Bible says, do not be anxious about anything. What does that mean? It means don't worry. Stop worrying is what it says. Worry has never changed anything. Worry has never done anything except cost you energy. You're wasting your energy when you worry. Verse 6 says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to who? To God. So don't fret about anything. Instead, pray about everything. This week, I saw an illustration by a pastor named Craig Groeschel, 
And as soon as I saw the illustration, I said, oh, that goes with the sermon. I need to show uh, you this, this illustration. And what it is, it's two boxes. One box is all of your worries, and another box is God. And what we're called to do is to take all of our worries and give them to who? Don't, don't be anxious about anything, but instead, with your request, present your request to God. Because So we're supposed to take all of our, and we do that. We're pretty good. We take our worries and we give them to God, and we should. But what happens, and we're all guilty of this, the circumstance doesn't change immediately. And so instead of just trusting God, we take the worries back and we start worrying about them ourselves because we think that God certainly can't take care of these things or we wouldn't keep worrying about them. Amen. Amen. And what you need, instead of taking your worries back, what you need is a bigger God. That's what you need. And once, once you take your worries and you understand how great God is and you give them all to God, you don't need to worry about them anymore. And the next verse, verse 7 says in your Bible that the peace of God, and isn't that what we're all looking for right now is the peace of God? It says in the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, you can't even comprehend his peace. It will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. Supernatural peace, beyond your ability to even understand, will wash over you, will cover you, will protect you. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, the Lord is near and his peace is real. I want you to say that to whoever you're sitting next to. Now, number two in your outline, write this down. I want you to write it down. Focus on what's noble, not on your Chernobyl. And some of you don't even know what Chernobyl means. Chernobyl is the largest disaster, the most disastrous nuclear plant accident in the history of the former Soviet Union in terms of cost and casualties. In a nuclear accident, the radiation poisons you from the inside out. And we have in our world today, in the United States of America, we have our own Chernobyls. The radiation of negative news that comes from our media outlets. The divisive politics from power-hungry politicians. The pollution of pornography that pollutes the hearts and minds of man. The destructive plague of drugs and alcohol that have led to the addiction of millions of our citizens. The immorality side of Hollywood that poisons like a sewer our culture. The toxin of prejudices and racisms and injustices in our world today. And so many of us spend all our time just focused in on these Chernobyls. And that's all we seem to think about in our culture. But the Bible says in verse 8, Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, instead, what you ought to be thinking about, it says whatever is true and whatever is noble and whatever is right 
And whatever is pure, whatever is holy, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. That's what we should be thinking about. You all need to memorize this verse. You need to write it down and tape it to your mirror, tape it on your refrigerator, put it next to your nightstand, make sure it's on your computer screen somewhere, engrave it on your desk at work, but don't get in trouble, but engrave it on the desk at your work and begin to understand that the Bible tells us that our minds, our hearts, whatever's true, whatever's pure, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's lovely, whatever is excellent or praiseworthy, those are the things that we should be focused on. The Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 4, I want you to write this down, it says above everything else, you need to guard, you need to write that word down, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. What does that mean? That means that anything and everything that is good in your life comes from a heart that has been well-guarded, a heart that is pure. And therefore, I want each and every one of you to push the pause button in your life. And I want you to ask yourself and be honest with yourself that the music that you listen to, there's nothing wrong with the different styles of worship. Don't ever let anyone tell you that God likes this style of worship over this style of music. God God was the creator and gave us the ability to create all different kinds of music. The style of music, the sound, the loudness or the quiet is irrelevant to God. What's important to God are the words of the music that you listen to. And I just want you to ask yourself the music that you listen to Are the words that you're hearing, are they true? Are they pure? Are they lovely? Are they excellent? Are they right? Are they praiseworthy? Are they noble? The television shows that you watch, the movies that you go to the movie theater and cash over some money to watch, are those movies pure? Are they right? Are they lovely? Are they pure? Are they excellent? Are they praiseworthy? Are they noble? When you're scrolling on your social media and you're looking at the photographs or you're on the internet, the things that your eyes are looking at, are they true? Are they pure? Are they lovely? Are they right? Focus on what's noble, Paul says, not on your Chernobyls. And number three, write this down, Christ will always see you through your circumstances. Christ will always see you through your, through your what? Through your circumstances. And I want you to circle in your outline, if you're taking notes, circle the word always. He's not going to sometimes get you through your circumstances. He's always going to get you through your circumstances now paul writes these words he said i have learned in verse 11 and you have to learn this you're not born with this he said i have learned to be content whatever the circumstances i want you to sit down and think for just a moment what were his what what were his circumstances 
he wrote these words, I've learned that whatever my circumstances, to be content. Well, what were his circumstances? Well, if you could see the guy, he was chained under house arrest. If you could see his body, his body would be covered with scars that he had received through the persecution that he received when he was out traveling and preaching Christ. He actually said these words himself in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Here were some of his circumstances. He said, I have worked much harder. I have been in prison more frequently. I have been flogged more severely. I have been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from the rivers. I've been in danger from bandits. I've been in danger from my, from my own countrymen. I've been in danger from the Gentiles. I've been in danger in the city. I've been in danger when I'm out on the country roads. I've been in danger at sea. I've been in danger from false brothers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst. I have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. And besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all of the churches. And yet he writes in verse 11... I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Verse 12, he says, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret to being content in any and every situation, whether I'm well-fed or whether I'm hungry, whether I'm living in plenty or I'm living in want. Now, there are three enemies to contentment. You need to understand this. I really don't have time to dive into this, but one of the enemies of contentment is unrealistic expectations. We see that a lot in marriage. Any of you ever have a spouse that did not meet your expectation? Don't raise your hand. (laughs) Another enemy of contentment is unfair comparisons and i will just tell you anytime you look at your circumstance you will always find someone that's better off than you always and if you spend your life just comparing yourself to the jones family you're going to be you're not going to be a content person but the third thing that leads to uh, to being a person who's not content is unnoticed blessings when you forget about how god how good God's been to you. And I will tell you this right now, and I, I, I make no bones about I have no apologies to make this statement. When I look across this audience, every single person in this room, you are, you are so blessed by Almighty God. You have forgotten how many blessings God has given to you. And it, it, it's not even difficult to explain because what happens, let's say there's 10 things in your life and nine of them are good. You have your health, you have a family, you have a church, you have a Bible, you have the Holy Spirit, while you have a preacher who loves you. You have your freedoms. You live in freedom. And you have one thing in your life that goes bad. What we do, we all do this. We forget about the nine good things that are happening, and all we do is we zero in on the one thing that's bad, 
And then we start feeling sorry for ourselves, and all of a sudden we're not a content person because we thank our whole world. And what the real problem is, you have forgotten about how good God's been to you. We live in the most affluent nation in the world. We have more freedoms. We have more opportunities. We have more material possessions, and yet Americans are some of the most dissatisfied people on the face of this earth. And we have one of the highest suicide rates of any civilized nation today. Why is that? Because when something starts to go bad, all we think about is the one bad thing. And then Paul says these words in verse 13. And some of you, this is like your favorite verse in the whole Bible. It says in verse 13, he says, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. And I have to tell you, how many of you like that verse? You like verse 13. I got to tell you, most people misuse this verse. Most people misunderstand this verse. This verse does not promise you if you want to climb Mount Everest and you get about halfway there and you can say, well, I... I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This verse does not mean you're getting to the top of Mount Everest. You know, Carlos is down here lifting 475 pounds. And he said, put another 20 pounds on. They put 10 and 10. All right, I'm going to do 495. Here I go. And he said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That doesn't mean that God's going to help him cover those extra 20, extra 20 pounds. No. You've completely taken this verse out of context. This entire passage of Scripture is talking about contentment. And Paul's trying to give you the secret of how you can be content in good situations and in bad situations. And he's telling you the secret The secret sauce to being content is having your faith in Jesus Christ. It says, I can do everything through him. Who's him? Him is Jesus. Now, that that might be bad grammar, but I want you to say, him is Jesus. Say that. Him is Jesus. And the secret to being content, whatever your circumstances, if you're in need, if you're hungry, If you're in want, the secret is down in verse 13, is not putting your faith or trust in your own strength, but putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, who will give you the strength to be content in whatever your circumstances. That is what this verse is talking about. It's a blessing for us to bring this program to you every day. We exist only by our faithful partners who support us through their prayers and financial gifts. If Pastor Dudley's message has been a blessing to you, we would like to encourage you to consider joining in partnership with us so we can continue to be here every day to bless others with this important ministry. Your gifts, whether large or small, are greatly appreciated and go directly to help keep us on the air. You can find out more about supporting us by calling our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. We have operators standing by and ready to take your call. You can also support us by going to our website, liftupjesus.com forward slash reach. 
That address again is liftupjesus.com forward slash and then the word reach. Wouldn't it be great if there were accessible answers to our spiritual problems? Just like there's a smartphone app for calculating a tip or getting directions to a local store. Most of us have heard the phrase, there's an app for that, popularized by the creators of the iPhone. Well, God has an app for the common problems faced by Christians everywhere. Are you stressed out? God has an app for that. Problem with crude language or gossip? Struggling with prejudice? Brokenhearted? Anxious? Or depressed? God has an app for that too. Pastor Dudley's book, God Has an App for That, is available now for a gift of any size to the Lift Up Jesus ministry. This helpful resource can be yours right now by calling our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. You can also get God Has an App for That on our website, liftupjesus.com. That address again is liftupjesus.com. Come and explore the book of James and discover God's user-friendly solutions for some of the biggest challenges we all face daily. Get your copy of Pastor Dudley's book, God Has an App for That, today. I'm Kyle Welch, inviting you to join us tomorrow at this same time as we again lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley. Pastor Dudley